Let me draw your mind to a passage in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. The Apostle Paul said in that passage, God forbid that I should boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to think of that statement on face value, that's a strange statement to make. To glory, to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what the cross is? It's an instrument of death. It was an instrument of torture. And it took the one you loved. This is a disciple of Jesus who is saying, if I'm going to brag about anything, if I'm going to boast or glory in anything, it'll be the cross of Jesus Christ. How can that be? I mean, if you had someone close to you in your life that was abducted and brutally murdered, whatever the instrument was that was used to murder someone that you loved and that was close to you, would you boast in that? Would that be something you would glory in? Would that be something that you would wear around your neck or let dangle from your earrings and have tattooed on your arms? I doubt it. That would become uh, an instrument of contempt. Every time we would see it or think about it, it would well up within us probably those terrible feelings of how someone you loved was brutally abused by that instrument. So how is it that the Apostle Paul can say, I'm not going to boast or glory in anything save the cross of Jesus Christ? Well, I think the answer to that is that the cross of Jesus Christ is a great paradox. It was an instrument of death, but the cross of Jesus didn't take life, it, it gave life. The cross of Jesus was probably the, well, it was. It was the darkest day in human history. On this day, mankind uh, took the innocent Son of God and murdered Him. But it was also, well, hanging on that, Christ, that, that cross was the light of the world. You know, how, how ironic. The Bible, or, or, well, if you look at the Bible, you'll see that the cross of Christ was the culmination of a, well, it was a premeditated murder. He had enemies, Jesus did. And they schemed and sought and bought off people to bring about this man's execution. It was the culmination of a premeditated murder, but it was also the culmination of a predestined sacrifice. Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, Revelation 13 and verse 8. On this, on this event, uh, it was the greatest act of sin ever perpetuated by man. I mean, the innocent, sinless Son of God, our only hope, they, they crucified. It was a great act of sin, but on the cross was the great cure for sin. Without the cross, there would be no cure for sin. On the cross, Jesus won by losing. He conquered by surrendering. It, it's, a, it's a paradox. The cross demonstrated to us how much God hates sin, but 
how much He loves the sinner. And so when we look at the cross from that standpoint, from more than just that instrument of death, but that tool in the divine providence and plan of God, then I can boast in the cross. I can glory in the cross. Because it's by that cross we have life. And without it, we would only face the judgment of God. And so this morning, I want us to look at just, well, three points that I'd like to draw your attention to concerning the cross of Christ. And, you know, I, I want us to, to be ever mindful of the cross. Don't get so caught up in other things that we forget about the cross. It, it's at the, the, the crux of Christianity. There is no Christianity without the cross of Jesus. There is no hope without the cross of Jesus. And if we get involved in our activity and we're busy and we're doing all these things and we're forgetting the cross, then we're forgetting the most important thing. That's where our atonement took place. That's the culmination of God's plan where man had sinned and God had brought into this earth in the fullness of time his son to die, purposefully die on this cross. So let's look at the cross. Three things and then the lesson will be yours. Number one, the cross of Jesus declares that my life is not futile. Have you ever thought about that? Without the cross, it would be futile. But the cross of Jesus says that I have value. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's because of God's love for me that Jesus went to the cross. When I see the cross, I see I have value. And how many people go through life and they think like, like Benny was just mentioned a little bit ago, that they're all alone. Nobody understands them. Nobody loves them. Nobody cares for them. The cross of Jesus Christ is a rebuttal to that kind of thinking. How can you say no one loves you? How can you say no one cares and no one understands when the cross of Jesus Christ is a billboard that yells 2,000 years into the future saying, God loves you. You can't miss the message. You know, a number of years ago, I heard about a a guy in Nashville and he rented a billboard on the side of the road. And it said, Amy, will you marry me? Love Josh or whatever the name was. And uh, man, he, he he placed it out there on the highway on a billboard where everybody that drove by could see. Uh, I don't know if he ever printed, she said yes, or, you know, he needed to have a follow-up billboard. I, I don't know if he ever did, but that's a, man, he wasn't ashamed to say, I love you. And he bought a billboard to say it on. How different is that from what God did 2,000 years ago on a very conspicuous hill outside of Jerusalem? When he allowed his son to be hung as a display, as a demonstration. And the message that shouts and that we still hear today is clear. It's unmistakable. That message is, I love you. 
And so how can I say, my life is meaningless? I have no purpose. You know, what, what's the sense in going on? Well, the sense in going on is because there is someone who loves you. And while you may have hard times and experience difficulties, you won't experience them alone. God loves you. I love what Romans 8 and verse 28 says. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. That tells me that not only did God send his son to die for me and that I now have, you know, he loved me enough to do that. And, and so, you know, that's, that's a wonderful thing. But even beyond the forgiveness and because you sinned, I will make this sacrifice for you. Beyond that, he is involved in the affairs of my life if I am his child. And he is molding and shaping and, and bringing about things to pass that will work for my good. You see, as long as I'm a child of God, I am not a victim of circumstances. James talked about this this last Wednesday. I'm not a victim of circumstances. Because whatever the circumstances may be that befall me in life, I know that there is an all-powerful, all-wise God working in the shadows who will work those circumstances to my good. Life isn't futile. Life isn't purposeful. Uh, without purpose. Life as a child of God and because of the cross of Jesus has purpose, has intent, and has value. Don't underestimate God's love for you. The cross of Christ declares that you are not futile. The second thing, or your life is not futile, the second thing is that the cross of Christ declares that my failures are not fatal. Well, they aren't. Look at what the Bible says in Luke chapter 23 and verse 43. Jesus is hanging on the cross and that thief next to him, who earlier in the day was railing against him and and joining in with everybody else who was making Jesus have a difficult day, He now, I don't know what it was. I don't know if they had conversation with each other that Jesus taught him as they hung there. I don't know if it was the observation that he made as as uh, he saw people come and go and maybe what Jesus was saying to other people as he looked down. I, I don't know. But I know that something happened that made that man change his mind about Jesus. And he looks to Jesus and he says, Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Wow. I mean, this is a sinful guy. This is the 11th hour. This man has had no time for making amends with his life. He's come to this understanding of Jesus while in the throes of death. He himself is being crucified and he reaches out to Jesus and Jesus saves him. The cross of Jesus Christ is a reminder to me that my sins need not be fatal. They need not forever separate me from God. Ephesians 1 and verse 7 tells us that in him we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of of sins. 
Because of that blood that was shed on the cross, man, aren't you glad you have the blood? Access to that cleansing blood of Christ. In Revelation 1 and verse 5, the Bible says that we are loosed or, or washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. What if we didn't have that? Every wrong thought, word, deed that you have ever done from the time that you were old enough to know better to the time you die, you'd have to stand there before God and give account for. No hope for any of us. To stand before a holy God? I mean, how would you like to have to sit down right here in front of everybody and explain to everybody here everything that you've ever done wrong in your life? You would be too humiliated to face such an ordeal. Imagine doing it to a holy, righteous, upright God. But that need not be our fates. Because Jesus provides cleansing and forgiveness of our sins and and those things are buried and put behind us. Well, the psalmist says it's like they have been cast into the depths of the sea. Maybe you get a better feel for what that means when you consider, you know, the Malaysian jet that has just disappeared and, oh man, countries, nations have been searching for the last month plus looking for that jet and they can't find it as of yet. With all the technology and modern equipment that we have, we still can't find it. Jesus, the Lord said, I'll take your sins and cast them into the depths of the sea where they'll never be found, where they'll never be acknowledged again. The cross of Christ declares that my failures are not fatal. I I have a second chance. I have hope because of Jesus. And then the third thing is this. The cross of Christ also declares that my death is not final. What, What would it be like... To think that when you die, you just die. What would it be like to think that there's nothing... Man, we would just cling to life, I think, tenaciously knowing that this is it. I I remember one man said, uh, well, he was a rather well-known atheist. He said when he was dying, he said, "I I know I'm dying and I'll be gone soon, but it's all right. Because when I die, I will, and in quotation marks, awaken to nothingness. That's it. Nothingness. Well, if that were only true for some folks, I think some might wish that they could awake to nothingness. But the fact is, we will awake to judgment Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, Is it appointed unto a man once to die, and after that the judgment? In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22, the Bible says that in Adam all men die, but in Jesus all men are made alive. We are immortal beings. We have placed within us something that will live forever. And it will either be in heaven or it will be destroyed, eternally destroyed in hell. And it's because of that resurrection of Jesus, that first fruits, a guarantee that there will be life. Oh, I know Adam brought death into the world, but I'm bringing life into the world. We can live forever. Don't we want to live now? 
I mean, put us in a good situation, and we want it, we want it to go on. We don't want it to stop. You know, when life is going good for you, and, and everything is just fine, and you're healthy, and everybody around you is doing well, boy, we, we love that. We want that to continue. We don't want it to be abruptly ended or, or brought to an, uh, 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 an end. But isn't that what heaven's going to be? You're going to be in a place where everything is ideal, perfect. The people around you are going to be ideal and perfect. The people you love and, and, and what takes place there is going to be ideal and perfect forever. Why would you not want that? Jesus has guaranteed us that by his death on the cross. He says death isn't final. We can go to our grave and know that this isn't it. We can lay in our deathbeds and know that this is not it. I remember the Puritan preacher Richard Baxter. He lived in the 1600s. I don't know anything about what he believed and if he had even obeyed the gospel. I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that when he was dying on his deathbed, a person came to him and said, How you doing? And he said, I'm almost well. He wasn't talking about physically. He was getting worse and worse every day. But he was almost well as he looked at it from an eternal standpoint. And that's what we have to hold on to in what is the darkest hours of our life. What do we do when we lose a loved one? What do we do when we ourselves struggle with our own terminal illnesses? What do we do when we deal with the aging process and what we could do 30 years ago we can't do anymore because our body is is breaking down, it's not holding up. What what do we do? How do we deal with this? It sure does help to know that our death isn't final, that there's life after death, that God will take care of us. And and it's just it's a transition. We fight it, we resist it, we we, we cry and lose sleep over it here, but when that veil is crossed, I wonder how many of us who have fought it, when they cross that veil, they go, what was I? It's all right. I I should have trusted. I should have known. Why was I so afraid? Wasted energy. This is wonderful. I know that's the case. Jesus said, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. And the psalmist said that it is a precious thing for the death of his saints. The precious in the eyes of God are the death of his saints. So because of the cross, I look at these three things this morning. I just want to bring them to your attention so that they be a reminder to us. Don't ever lose sight of the cross. Don't get so caught up in your ministry and you're doing good that you forget why you're doing good. It's the cross of Jesus that gives meaning to everything. Without his cross, our life would be futile, our failures would be fatal, and our death would be final. But because of the cross, 
I have meaning in my life. God loves me. Me. Of all the people that live on the planet, He loves me. And of all the people that are on the planet, and as busy as He is keeping everything held together and working just right, He is working plans in my life that will guarantee that all things will work together for my good. For my good. Not yours, but mine. And He may have that same plan for you as well if you're a child of God. That's amazing. My life is not futile because of the cross. My failures are not fatal because of the cross. I I have access to the blood of Jesus that forgives me of my sins. And my death is not final. There is someday going to be a grand reunion when all the dead will rise and will be together forever. We'll be with the Lord forever. I don't know how those days, I'm speaking accommodatively by saying days and time, I don't know how that's going to be spent. And even spent, you, you can't spend eternity, can you? I understand these are accommodative words, but I don't know what it is. But I know it's something that I want to participate in. I know what the alternative is, and I know it's something I don't want to participate in. Let's focus our eyes on Jesus. Let's remember the cross of Christ. And if we have anything of which to boast, let it be the cross of Jesus. It's what gives meaning to our life. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ? Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Those aren't my words, those are His. Do you believe Him? If you believe Him, why don't you obey Him? And He'll keep His promise and He'll save you. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need the prayers of your brethren, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.